All right, welcome back. Uh, another week, and we welcome the vacationing guy. Our man Curtis Trees was up in Colorado. By the way, nice job. We are actually, the podcast didn't sound all that bad. We're doing a remote for the first time. Yeah, I went back and I listened to it, and everything seemed pretty clear. Yeah. So I mean, being that far away on, on just a, an app like Anchor, I thought that was pretty good how it, was, it came out. It was pretty good, and uh, I, you know, a few things to note that people already knew we're on iTunes. Uh, but I just got the update that we're also now on Spotify. Okay. So you can find us on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on iTunes. And a few people have asked me if I can upload it to YouTube because I guess it's easier to just go mm -hmm. to YouTube.com. So maybe in the future I'll start updating to YouTube. So any way you want to listen to us, we'll try yeah, to get no it No excuses no. for people not listening. You can find it uh, on, on various sorts of listening yes. outlets. And uh I think we're up to like seven listeners now. now. Excellent. So, so shout Word out to, of mouth. That's yeah, how it spreads. Exactly. And <laughs> this week is pretty fun because we have our man Caleb Keller in the house. Glad to be a part of it. Up here seeing the uh, view for the Hitman at night. Yeah. And the lights finally come on. Beautiful view uh, here high atop Los Alamitos. And the first time I had a chance to listen to the podcast, it was for the Ed Burke trials. Uh -huh. So I'm happy to be a part of some trial conversation today. It's going to be fun because uh, you're on with uh, you're on with me all week on the quarters, right? Yes. So it's going to be a fun, a fun week. We'll have... Uh, we're going to talk about Saturday's program. We're recording this on Friday. We're talking about Saturday's Governor's Cup trials. And Sunday we'll have a pair of derby trials. And, it, you know, I didn't didn't do that much for handicapping up ahead. But I did see that J-Fire Up is coming back. Mm -hmm. And the other trial features Yankee, which, I mean, yeah. if both of those horses run to their races, just without looking at PPs, they should win those races. Yeah, the trials came up uh, pretty light there. We only have two of them, but... Uh... They look pretty competitive, but uh, definitely looking forward to seeing J-Fire Up return. And, and one thing about J-Fire Up, in my time at Los Alamitos, I think that's probably the most raging win from the rail. Oh, yes. Victor, the 2 million. I have not seen a field of 10 where the race was decided from the one post yeah. in the first 10 jumps. A, a lot of times, 10 and 9 outside post, you can tell who's going to win early. That was the first time I've seen a one-horse blow away the field. I think the last time I can remember, uh, maybe I want to say a political jest in the Juan Element uh, yeah. days. I think he... Broke for the one post in one of his big races. Yeah, I always think uh, of of him, and I think of Blues Girls too. I remember uh, her and Joe Bassett. They uh -huh. always loved the one post, and uh, and she she would just run amazing races down there. So if you like the one post, uh, it's definitely a good spot to be in. But uh, a lot of people don't prefer it. They don't prefer it, and this is a track that you see a pretty good outside flow. But let's remind the viewers and listeners that J Fire Up crushed from the rail, yes. two million, and the two million the year before. When we're doing one, the try box was one, two, and three. Yes. So we've seen on the biggest races, the inside actually play very good. Yeah. Uh, I I think what, the only one we really don't like here is the two-hole. Uh, the two-hole has been so tricky. We don't tricky. know what the bias is, but I don't we know. there's a black hole there in the two-hole. It was pointed out by Ed Burgart. For some reason, horses just tend to not win from the two-hole. But uh, other than that, I think Los Al plays uh, pretty fairly it, uh, compared to most tracks. Yeah, it's pretty fair. You know, some tracks you're like – you want to give the edge, oh, the outside is live. Or like Remington Park early on in the season, this past season, they just concluded, concluded the outside was not the place to be. Later on towards the season, I think it evened out, but you would see a lot of horses just not get a hold of the track for some reason. Uh, but here at LaSalle, it's been pretty fair, but it's more about being unlucky. Something about the two posts is yeah. just unlucky. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's uh, anything to do with the track. I think no. it's uh, just horses tend to get in, in, into trouble down there and uh, – like I said, if you're in the one hole, you can kind of escape that, not being between runners. But, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, like being along the, the inside or the outside and, and more towards 7, towards 10. But uh, 
I think LaSalle plays pretty fair. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's going to be fun. So let's recap a bit about uh, the Vessels maturity. I want to say I was talking to Steve Anderson from DRF. He mentioned um, winner was zooming for spuds. Zooming for spuds. He, you have the zooming I for know, spuds I know. I master. Do. I always remind him <laughs> that he he got him at what seven to one or nine to one. I think it was about nine or ten to one, and the horse was twenty to one in the championship. Yeah, championship. getting close yeah. to the yeah. gate, and we were giving our picks late. But I think he had to he had to come down. Twenty to one was a little bit too high for that night, anyways. Yeah. But you know, zooming for spuds on Sunday. It shows you the class of these quarter horses. Like I said, he, he's always reminded me of Farniente. Right when you thought Farniente was over like the top, telling, yeah, come yeah. right back yeah. and show that he can win a Vessels or a key grade one. So that's really my comparison for him. And that um, what was it, 19.58, I think he posted yeah. two back. That shows you that when he's in that 1950 land, yeah. that uh, he's still basically at the top of his game, even with a tailwind. And like I mentioned, Steve Anderson from DRF was mentioning like he went back and did some research those two, BHD's boy and Zoom for Sweats, they've matched up. They've created a little good rivalry yeah. because, if I remember correctly, he he told me they're now pace each other nine times. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, BHD's boy has the edge six to three yeah. right now. But, I mean, Zoom for Sweats, when he can break like he always breaks and he runs straights like he always does usually, he's always in the mix of things. Yeah, like Caleb said, uh, I think going into this year, uh, from the past champion of champions, I thought BH Lisa's boy and Zooming for Spuds were kind of tailing off, but it seems like they've just uh, kicked it right back into gear and they're still at the top of the older game here. It's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a fun older division as JFR Up is returning. Yankee, can he finally break good? It's always the question. Right? Can yeah. He, can, he, can he finally break it? And uh, Caleb knows this because I was high on Yankee before he even broke his maiden. Uh, and he's, he's developed into a nice horse, but if he can break... Uh, he's definitely a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I think you know, as long as he can, as long as he can stay out of trouble, he's drawn toward the outside. But I mean, he just was he always making up almost two lengths yeah. there towards the end. Yeah. Uh, excited to see him, uh, especially for for Matt Fails, who has a limited amount of runners here. That's his big horse, uh, but he looks tough. You know, he's definitely going to make the final, barring anything uh, tragic happening. But you know, I, I think I like to see him and Jay Fire up hook up. All right, before we get into the uh, Saturday night's Governor's Cup Futurity Trials. Why don't we quiz our guest? Uh, we had a burger. We had a we had a very nice chat. But I want to just uh, find out a little bit about the background, how Caleb got started. I just from when I remember, all I remember was seeing out of nowhere Caleb at Keeneland on TVG for some reason. Is that where you got your start? Definitely started? at Keeneland. Yep. And I went to school for sports broadcasting. And as I was going through college, I uh, had a, a couple of gigs there locally doing TV for a, a high school dynasty. There was like a mom and pop that did like wedding type oh, really? of videographer. Okay. And the high school team was so good that they wanted to start doing the games. And I ended up having a chance to broadcast them for junior and senior year. It was a state championship team and uh, had some um, chances to do college football. I was actually doing the color Ooh, uh, analyst nice. for college football. That was fun. I remember studying playbooks and really learning the inner workings. But I'd always watch TVG for the longest time growing up, and especially the quarters. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty well documented if you watch the show. <laughs> but uh, you guys used to run on Thursdays, correct? Yes. Yeah, when we, we had more horses, we were going yeah. Thursdays. So yeah. I, I love – Thursday night's a great feeling because you're going into Friday. Yes. You're going into the weekend. Mm -hmm. And just – I liked being up late when I knew everybody else was asleep. But <laughs> yeah. also I struggle with mornings, right? Yeah. But Thursday nights, watching the quarters uh, was so much fun. And I can actually remember a couple of times, you know, printing off Les Onaka's picks and yeah. driving to a little OTB in Clarksville, Indiana – to have uh, some wagers while I was watching it. Most of the time, I was just watching it without an account yeah. or without any uh, dough on it. 
um, and just enjoying it, just enjoying the banter and the scenery and what it seemed like out there. So um, one thing led to another to get in touch with TBG for an internship. And um, I can also remember when I started, they did the right thing. They put me in the tape library yeah. for the first few months that okay. I came out, cutting tapes, cutting backtracks, learning the inner workings. We did this silly show, The Late Double, which that was like my chance to be on air. Yeah. And I, I felt like I knew I was going to get there, but I took my time in the uh, tape library. And I'll never forget when we were at a, a meeting with the big boardroom in this. And uh, Tony Alvado, who's now with Naira, mm -hmm. remember him making a point of it. He's like, uh, he's like, what if we get Caleb out there at Los Alamitos? Um, just like in the middle of everybody. And I, I was really happy that he uh, did that. So that was my chance to come out and uh, when I did reporting, I was a little nervous doing reporting. I'm learning the sport, mm -hmm. uh, lacking on Spanish, yeah. and sometimes you know the core horse people are more. And meeting the connections, that, yeah, meeting the yeah, right. But I'm just happy to be here, and I uh, really enjoy it every time I come to Los Angeles. And I, that is a thing to touch on because I think quarter horse racing is all about the start, obviously. And a lot of more quarter horse people are more superstitious. Like a lot of people don't want to give an interview. Is your dad an interview person? Oh God, he. Caleb probably knows. He probably interviewed my dad oh, yeah. a ton. I mean, Joaquin uh, interviewed my, yep. my dad a ton. He'll talk to anybody. He, no, he know. was an easy one. That, that, yeah. Chuck Treese made my job easy knowing that there was a couple <laughs> times I could point him out yeah. on the card or a weekend yeah. that I could get an interview that I felt good about. But yeah. it, is, isn't it, like, tricky trying to, like, you know, especially you're coming here and you, you, you're still picking up uh, a lot of the intricacies of quarter horse racing, and you don't know a lot of the connections, so it's, mm -hmm. you know, picking up those people that you want to interview – um, how tough is it? Because we know we work behind the scenes now with, with producers and, and directors. Um, a lot of people don't see the, the work behind the scenes, but that's a, that's a lot of things to, to fill in. It is. And I've always felt pretty comfortable going on air, but th uh, when I got to going to Hollywood Park mm -hmm. and Los Alamitos and I was reporting, yes. I'd be really nervous going yeah. there mm -hmm. because I'm talking to people I don't know. If they have a horse's life, sometimes they don't want to tell me anything. Mm -hmm. I've got to remember names and questions. Yes. It's not just about me sitting on the desk and giving pictures. I got to coordinate with other people. Yeah. And it was just, there was a lot of uh, nerves going into that. So it's just something you had to battle through and get through it and learn and just do it. Uh, there's no other way. And um, so having those experiences makes what I do now just seem easier and easier. Right? Yeah. Because I've kind of gotten through that threshold. But there was times at Hollywood and Los Al where I I'd be on edge knowing like, man, I got to I gotta come up with something here. I got <laughs> yes. to meet these people, ask these people, interrupt these people. Yeah. And uh, that was just something that came through time. And uh, so you grew up an Indiana boy, right? Yes. Uh, so you pretty much always lived there? You always going to school there? Always in Southern Indiana, yep. And the good thing about Southern Indiana, we call it Kentuckiana's weather. On the yeah. So <laughs> it's basically right there by Louisville, mm -hmm. the Churchill Downs. Mm -hmm. You drive up a little bit more north and east and west in Indiana, you get to the middle of Indiana. Yeah. So I was lucky to grow up in a nice uh, small town, Indiana, but be close to the Ohio River that separates it to Louisville, and you had the city feel. Yeah. And uh, that was – that was pretty important for my culture growing up, but always was in the same spot. So, uh, big Indiana basketball fan. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this though, there was there's been one recruit that was in a, one hometown over. I grew up in Floyd's Knobs, and he grew up in, in New Albany. And from he from the time he's a freshman, Romeo Langford was his name. Even my dad, who doesn't know any of the Indiana players <laughs> anymore, I came in three years ago. He's like, you heard about that Romeo? And people lining up <laughs> really? for around the gym. I mean, crazy videos of, of hundreds and hundreds asking for autographs, pictures with babies. Yeah. And it was a long time. He's a, a very quiet, reserved player and person. It took a long time and he got out of three schools, Kansas, Indiana, and Vanderbilt. And then at the end of uh, May, he finally picked and it was Indiana. So we literally have what could be the best recruit in my whole time in the state coming to play for him next year. When's uh, Is the schedule out already or no? They're, they're piecing it together. 
But they got a good defensive coach, and our guy Romeo looks like it could be a promised <laughs> land contender. That's going to be fun. So how was that uh, buzzer beater to beat Kentucky? I, uh, I was there. You were? that game. No. That was the year after I graduated, right? So I'm just sitting at home and, you know, cutting grass, uh, doing what I can. I, I had the um, weekend gig going for uh, Marion University. I was doing the color commentating for football. So I remember going on the student classified ads, and I was actually hoping Kentucky be number one yeah. to get there. And I remember going on, and um, you only get two two tickets the whole season in your in your student package that are in the stands, uh-huh. the wooden bleachers. Okay. So I remember looking at it and offering their face value fifteen dollars. Okay. I remember going for fifty for one two weeks out, then up to seventy five, then up to a hundred, and then there was one that came up and it was row one seat one, and it was a guy that I knew who we were in a business class together. His parents were in, and he was going to use another ticket, and he was actually trying to make some money off of it. So I went up to 150 and then finally I went to 200 for row one, seat one. And he told me, if there's no offers by tomorrow, I'll sell it to you. And um, sure enough, he told me the next day I drove right up to town on that Friday night, stayed with my buddy. It was the year after I graduated, gave him the $200 and had the thing, uh, row one, seat one. Remember, I remember uh, um, a guy in a red coat coming up and saying, hey, if we win this thing, make sure y'all go. Like He directed us as to how to go yeah. through the court. No, and I'll never no forget, chance. I can still see it in my mind. <laughs> The ball going through the hoop and just like running over a, a, a photographer, and yeah. for about one second, feeling like you're the only person out there yeah. like, until you get hit by the wave. So that was easily the greatest sporting event. I've wow, been I just I still see that hideout on YouTube, and it's bananas. It's crazy. Yeah, it'll never get old. <laughs> How? Uh, what year was this again? Should be 2012. 2012, right? Yeah, or 11. Yeah, 11 or 12. Tom Crean, and I think he's now in Georgia. I Georgia. Think he just picked up a gig in Georgia, but. Man, that that was one of the all-time great, uh, great sports moments in, in basketball, college basketball, but also by far in Indiana uh, basketball history. That was fun. And you were there. That's crazy. And we got a, we actually got a podcast in the winter. So yeah, exactly. I know we turned this into a college basketball <laughs> podcast. I don't mind it. But, uh, yeah, me and my buddy who um, I stayed with and I was my college roommate, we're both equally fanatical about it. So uh, we, we do a podcast to stay in touch with that's, the hoops. That's, that's, that's fun. All right. So uh, plug for the podcast. More than March. Um, more than March. We're not as official. I got I to gotta get it on iTunes, but we got SoundCloud. And I basically put it out to my friends and family yeah, back home yeah. on Facebook that right. want to follow and listen. So, so if people want to search it on SoundCloud, you can find more it. More than March. More than March. All right, let's take a look at a, a Saturday uh, Saturday night's Governor's Cup Futurity Trials. we got six trials. We're going to be in with race number four. And um, we got fields of – let's wrap up. The, let's give a recap of the fields real quick. we got fields of seven, 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 eight – Seven and seven. So six trials. It's going to be the pick six. It's going to be a fun pick six. We'll see if uh, we can put together a a ticket uh, once we get closer to Saturday. But we'll let the guests go first, uh, Curtis. You you guys can probably guess who I'm going to pick here. It's not going to be the favorite. This is a horse that I've been kind of on before. But uh, we'll let you go first. How did you see this race, uh, this first trial, Caleb? Well, Striver, based on Curtis's uh, chart calls, how about five? Breaks on top, yep. which is incredible. Yep. And and this is not really a fast-breaking field. So the seven could shut the door early. I'm just a tiny bit worried that it was an early filly. She's had five races. You're wondering that 350, I think, is no cinch because she's gotten a little tired versus mm-hmm. better. So um, Provodnikov, I was on board last time. I think drawing in between, uh, maybe better to give him another chance. But actually the price I like here is the one. Ooh, yeah, I like Fahrenheit. That. This horse, first out, was on the rail, had the headwind. I thought it closed up nicely uh, at Just Macho Corona, third in the Edberg. The third place horse was back to win. And then last time out, completely I saw it off and ran on the outside rail. So I think that the one 
it was the horse that's got the hidden ability, and that's the one I like in the four. The Rodrigo on the rail used to be an angle here once upon a time. Did you make any money off of Rodrigo on the rail ever? I, I did. I did. You yeah. and uh, Tony Douglas. You see the Rodrigo tweets on Twitter? Uh, that's usually making some money on Rodrigo. Rodrigo on the rail was a legitimate angle for, for myself and Tony. Uh, back in the day, he's uh, he's drawn the road with Fahrenheit. He's actually my third choice, so I do agree that he's a, he's a definite threat here in race four. Uh, Curtis, who'd you like here? I went with the seven on top also. So uh, in the second spot, I went with the three back in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now in the Jaime Gomez barn, uh, has had trouble in, in every start so far, but has been running against all the top horses like SC Moneymaker and powerful favor. But I look for this horse to run that race two outs back. Uh, where it was really finishing well and only lost uh, by half a length there after getting sandwiched at the start. If this horse can get away clean, uh, like Caleb said, uh, there's not a lot of quick breakers in here, so I think uh, the clean start is going to be the key to beating the seven. And we're, we're all kind of in doubts about the seven, which is pretty interesting, yeah. considering there's a big favorite that likes to break on top, draws the outside. That in itself looks like a legitimate threat to just crush, and right? And jock switch. Yes. I mean, you've had young Caesar Franco on, now you get a more established yeah. Carlos Huerta, so... Yeah. First, first time with a new job. And it's pretty interesting. I'm going to pick Provodnikov once again. I'm not giving up. You know, before the debut, I hyped this horse up pretty pretty well. And since then, I always said, I'm waiting for this horse to stretch out. So tonight's the night that he's going to get an extra 50 yards. He was gelded first time out. Uh, it was the first time gelding last time out. Kind of broke out of the start and looked with good energy past the wire. Just was a well-beaten third there. But Ayala stays aboard. I'm going to give him one more shot. So I'll pick the five on top. I'll go with Stryer as my second choice, and I like Fahrenheit as my third choice. So I like five seven one. I went a uh, seven three six. I thought just Curlin. Okay. Uh, this horse likes to finish, but you know Stryer might get loose there. You know at the start because mm-hmm. uh, just Curlin tends to not break uh, very alertly. Might get crossed over on, but maybe if Stryer goes out, just Curlin can show the the late kick that I, I think this horse has and could be there in the third spot. Who'd you like for second and third, Kevin? Uh, I mean, uh, Provodnikov, I'm going to give probably one more cursory chance. Yeah. I mean, the one thing about Provodnikov is that we don't really know how good those first yes. two finishes are because mm-hmm. they were first-time starters, yeah. and they were well-meant. So um, he's he's made a little bit of a mess of, of two tries. Uh, I'm, I just feel like Jess Curlin is the one that is a little bit compromised. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're almost assuredly going to get out, bro. Yeah. And that second to inside post sometimes is tough to quicken. So uh, maybe a little against the six, and let's see if Striver just brings it. I mean, we're looking at – Four to five or three to five. Yeah, so it's uh, we're we're pretty much in agreement that we're gonna be teetering on this first leg. We don't think Striver is a lock, but definitely a horse to uh, respect here in the first trial of the night. It's gonna be interesting what kind of time gets posted in the first trial. It's, it's early in the day. Usually the first trial tends to hold pretty well as far as times go. As far as times goes later on through the night. I think that applies more just a tiny little angle on Sundays. Because, you know, that we're talking about 724 post. Sun's basically already dead. Because Sunday you get those early true, trials true. with yeah. two mm-hmm. or three sunlight, and it's almost it almost works like clockwork that the tailwind yeah. is right there with the sun. Yeah. So you get a double whammy for a fast time early on yep. Sunday. Yeah. I would say up until about the fifth race, that's usually when the tailwind dies down a lot. But on Sundays, you know, with the earlier post time, uh, that does go into effect a little more. But here we're racing on Saturday night, so uh, – We'll see if it dies down, or maybe there's a little one, but uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and it's also it's the it's the fourth race on the card, so it's not like it's the first race on the on exactly. The so that might not play into it as much as we think. All right, second division, race five, field of seven. Morning night favorite is going to be Book of Matches, who was 
so much trouble in his first and second outing, especially uh -huh. in the second outing, and then came back and completely crushed on uh, on uh, the maiden breaking score on the 15th of June. Uh, is he the horse to beat, Caleb? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Book of Matches, that's my favorite troubled fourth of the year. <laughs> right? Too bad. Yeah. That was awesome. I mean, literally <laughs> it was bowling through rivals. It looked like a male rival, a two-year-old filly, but she was big and she was brazen and going through. So I love um, the fourth, but she sometimes does uh, stumble herself out. You know, there was big trouble too bad, but because she broke so yeah. slow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a little chance that the best horse in the race, because I think she's clearly the best one here. Yeah. But uh, sometimes she causes a, causes a mistake on her own right. Yeah. I uh, I've picked this horse uh, for second. Ooh. I've kind of felt the same exact way that, you know, maybe this horse likes to find the trouble. Last time, you know, just broke cleanly and handled business. But I went with the one horse uh, accommodating That's for, my a, second for a nice yeah, like price that. play at 8-1. to one. You know, draws the rail, so I don't think uh, can get into too much trouble. But uh, I thought should have won the first out. Uh, just lugged in and got caught there by Sad Face Emoji, who uh, was a huge upset that day, but has come back and proven to be an okay runner. Mm -hmm. uh, but I like the switch to Carlos Huerta here. Hopefully this horse or uh, uh, this jockey can correct the horse. You know, veered in and drifted out, but was still finishing well last time. I like it at eight to one. Well, what? How about the two though? Because I think the two is a problem here because the one's been fast and has had the veering intact, but the two's also one that likes to jump in. So True. I'm just worried that the one and two True. are going to be heading left to your right from the bell. That's what I'm. I'm counting on uh, Carlos Ware to, to to break this horse and uh, hopefully get out of perfect FTD's way. You know, Ayala is probably going to have this horse out there early, uh, but. Maybe uh, they can both run straight for once, but uh, I, I just like that this horse has been steadily improving and, and has been uh, game in, in the two starts and hopefully likes the 350-yard distance. I do agree with everything, everything you said about accommodating. Uh, Carlos Huerta jumping aboard is an interesting angle here. I have him as my second choice. I do like the five book of matches on top. For my third choice, I'll go to the outside and calendar here for uh, Valentin Zamudio, owned and trained, uh, bought at the Los Alicuan Cell, bred by Ed Allred. Finished a pretty good second there on the view behind Water Eagle, who was well meant there. But there was a, about a length there clear uh, to the third place finisher, Provodnikov. I like the outside draw, like the race. I'll just get improved second time out. So uh, I think I'm pretty formful here. I'll like I'll go five one seven here in race five. Yeah, I went one five four. Yeah. I liked uh, Anna's image, who just uh, finished uh, a weakening fifth there in the Edberg Million Juvenile after running a pretty decent second there to Mister A Political. But uh, I, I think this horse maybe doesn't have the talent to win the race, but I think can be pretty competitive here. Any upsets on any, Caleb? I don't really see it. I, I look at I'm, – I'm taking this as a, a lugging inflow. The three's got no speed. Mm -hmm. The four's the overachiever. You know, the four has been an overachiever. 26 to one, two starts back. Almost got the job done. And I've got some respect for the four. I think the six would be the forgotten about horse after yes. one bad start. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm going to get this down to just the five and seven. Yeah. I think the five should roll here with a, a, just an average break. And then the seven, to me – I actually didn't like that Colt when I first looked at the form, but then I watched the Ray. I'm like, ah, oh, Provodnikov got yeah, out. Yeah. It's got to be about a first-time starter. Then I watched it again. I'm like, you know what? This Gray was finishing, and we've got the outside, so I pretty much just narrowed it down to the 5-7. and seven. All right, so that's uh, the second division. Let's see if Book of Matches can deliver there as the 9-5 to five favorite. Third division, race number six, another field of seven. And uh, this is a race that I, I like quite a bit. It is the start of the late pick four. I already have my early – Pick four ticket, my late pick four ticket mapped out in my head. I'm probably going to build it. Uh, but I know right off the bat I'm going to single runner here. But uh, I don't want to get away just yet. I want to see what Caleb thinks here. 
race number six. Well, I think I'm looking for a single as well Ooh. because I think you got two strong favorites. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a little against the Turf Paradise shippers. I'm against most of them. If they win, they usually beat me. The one through four, I can't see it. So it brings it down to Tack Me Up, who's got the fastest times and was in the kindergarten, and then Deceiver. And I'm going to take Deceiver for the single. Yes. I just went off what Whoa. I saw visually, and I loved how she was extending stride there late. And I feel like with the five, you know, here was a horse who came out and showed the speed that he had. Uh, I'm not going to hold the, the, the kindergarten start against him. And time-wise, he's faster, but I'm trusting my eye on this one mm -hmm. and going with Deceiver. Yeah, I thought uh, I, I went with the five on top. I thought it was the same thing, just five and six. I yeah. thought it was a two-horse race. But I just liked uh, how this horse handled business, uh, attacked me up in, in the first two starts. And then just got off slow. But I really like when Chris O'Dell's horse uh, can, can show that early quickness. You know, just draw a line through the kindergarten effort uh, but was, you know, running against all those nice horses. But it was fairly backed uh, at eight to one. But uh, I, I just really like this one. Uh, I, I didn't really uh, get all that uh, convinced by Deceiver uh, last time. Uh, you know, ran a, a great race. But I think Tacmia might be a little battle-tested uh, battle against Delayed Steel and SC Coronada. Uh, Deceiver beat Card Tricks and Anna's Image, who we talked about last race, mm -hmm. but I think I would go ice cold five six. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the six on top, Deceiver. I'm probably gonna single here. I, visually, I like what I saw. I like the improvement from the first outing to the second outing. If, if you know if he if she cannot break tack me up, she's broken on top in both starts. If she cannot break tack me up here, I think it's gonna be a real match race here down the finish. So I'm banking that she's gonna like the extra fifty yards. Uh, was second on the view behind powerful favorite, uh, who's a who's a very talented runner. So I'm just hoping the Seaver can outbreak the five, and that's probably how I see the race. Did you take a look at any of the film or the chart for the Turf Paradise races for the seven? I did. I, I didn't see any any real major trouble for for the seven Yaffe, but I did like the way this horse looked on winning the, the, the two starts back. Uh, they can be a little bit tricky here shipping in, uh, but Matt Fells has been pretty successful with with his limited starters when they come in. So. Uh, that's the horse that scares me as, as far as the other top two. Mm -hmm. I like six, five, seven uh, here in race six. Yeah, I went five, six, seven. I think all the competitors here are on the outside, and I'm just gonna go. Uh, I'm just gonna go five, six, seven. Yeah. I, I think Yaffe is, is good, but I think I've been burned as, as well by the Turf Paradise <laughs> horses coming. I think I talked him up at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, those races being competitive, but I don't think. Uh, you know, this filly is as talented as the five and the six. You know, it's funny. Sometimes you have the, those angles. I remember on the first day of the Keeneland coverage in spring, I, I made a mention that, you know, I really try to play against the fairgrounds horses because in years past, the fairgrounds horses just had not been, you know, they, they became like real good plays against. The yeah. fairgrounds horses dominated. dominated. That's yeah. what I heard. Yeah. Spring. And I think what it was, it, it might have been a bit deceiving for me because in years past, they had so much bad weather and they had so many cancellations that horses were missing stars and turf horses weren't getting the races to go and so on. So I think that, you know, I felt pretty good because I've, I know the numbers for the last two or three years and, yeah. the, and the fairgrounds horses weren't doing well. And I made note of it. And then just the whole me there parking <laughs> the, the whole time. So, you know, things like that and trends change quickly, I guess. It, it's, you know, for being a premier track, a premier, a premier season, you get a lot of shippers from other, I guess, lesser tracks that win there constantly. Mm -hmm. It's one of those seasons where you really do got to respect the, the, out of state, the out of track shippers there at Keeneland. All right, race number seven, the late pick three. If we're out of the pick four, we'll probably get down on the late pick three and try to make some money here. But it just looks to me, if Powerful Figure breaks any kind of well, he, he should crush his field. Like, if he just gets out of the way with a clean path, 
I think he's a horse to beat. Uh, so no, no, no uh, mystery as far as my part goes. But uh, did you see the the race the same way, Caleb? Well, powerful favorite was my selection in Ed Burke, which I guess looking back, finishing seventh, it was a regrettable pick. And I kind of knew what I was signing up for because I did well on trials night because I went against him and just took SC Moneymaker. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that when he come out of the gate, his first few strides are actually steps. In that first start, it's only two or three steps. And then I look back at his work and it was the same thing. So he's got this tendency that it takes him three steps to get into stride. And once he does, he can really yeah, um, he can catch really fire. Finish, yeah. And my angle was, you know, maybe Wicked Affair breaks a little slow, then yeah. he gets the outside and so on. But obviously gambled on the break and didn't get it. So he is looking like the best type in here. What scares me is that he's a big gelding. I think if you put these two-year-olds on the scale, this might he's be the big, heaviest gelding on yeah. the backside. And when you have those big frames, sometimes you're you're getting caught up in what they do late. I mean, the eight's a threat here to win. I thought even the two. I think there's two horses, the two and the eight, that uh, if the four does this thing and it's just off a tiny little bit um, methodically, then the two and eight are both good enough to beat him. And yeah. he was fractious in the gate uh, mm -hmm. before the start, which was pretty. Uh, uh, his, you know, he hadn't done that in the first two starts, so I'll give him an excuse for for that little bit of action there. But uh, yeah, like Kayla mentioned, he's he's a big bodied uh, gelding that is going to need a little bit of wiggle room uh, coming out of the gate. But uh, on paper and on form, he appears to be the best horse. Yeah, I think this is more of a typical Chris O'Dell runner having trouble at the start mm -hmm. and just finishing like a monster at the end. I think. When this, when this horse runs his race, I really think uh, he's the third best two-year-old on the grounds mm -hmm. behind Waver Down and Wicked Affair, just did, did uh, you upgrade, based off that quickness. Did you upgrade Waver Down now? Oh, of course. Right? Of course. <laughs> I, I didn't know if uh, you know if she would be able to beat Wicked Affair, but uh, you know she handled business against her that night. So, yeah, I'm going to put her on top, Wicked Affair in second. And, and I like uh, this gelding um, here for third. But, you know, tonight I think he's just the most talented in this field. You know, I went with the other Chris O'Dell runner, you know, on the outside there with Cody Jensen. This horse put up a nice win two back and mm -hmm. went 15-51. And then, you know, I think uh, Caleb and I are, are right in the same spot. I like the two uh, for third there, Mike Castleman and Susan Dalva. This horse, you know, can finish well. I think Razzle Dazzle doesn't want uh, the longer distances of 350, 400 yards. Mm -hmm. So I think the two can outfinish the three. I can agree. So we agree that the, the, the eight is, a, is the main threat on the outside. I do like the eight as my second choice. For my third choice as a long shot, though, I like the five, Tamura. If you're looking for an exotic horse for your tries and supers, Tamura, 15 to 1 on the morning line, uh, hasn't run all that bad in all three starts, steadily improved uh, last time out and got the job done there. Just looked like a runner visually that could handle the 350. Uh, maybe with a clean path, that could be a, a long shot to use in the exotic. So I'll go four eight five here in race seven. Yeah, I went four eight two. I'm going eight four two. I I look at the eight here. Mm -hmm. There's a terrific energy. We know none of them can break, but they've yeah. got this big back end punch. Yes. It's yep. a perfect spot for the eight. The rail didn't do this horse any good first out. Drawing in between didn't do any good. But the one start from the outside, fifteen fifty one, and look at the seven and the six. They don't have any gate speed. So I feel like the eight, just with an average break, is going to have every chance to show off with the late kick, and I think that the eight is the one that can run down the big one. And talk about the two favorites on the morning nine, the four and the eight, but also talk about the dams here. Remember Marie Rose for powerful favorite, who she's dropped terrific yes. runners, and then terrific energy on um, Parsons Rocket. So we got a duel of good mares here in race seven as well. I think those are our probably uh, the two best, you know, most productive mares we have here in Los Al, terrific energy, and remember me, Rose. I think... You know, we had the Revenant and, and a lot of those horses. I think she, uh, Remember Me Rose, threw four winners last year. Yeah. And then 
you know, Chris Odell doing all he can with all the terrific energy <laughs> yes. horses we've had throughout the year. Thermonuclear, mm-hmm. you know, is one to name, but have all those characteristics of breaking slow, but once they get rolling, they're tough to beat. Let me ask you this on broodmares. What was the story with Five Bar Molly? How she was on the racetrack, and then I believe she – is that true that she had had a few poles and then came back to the race? What's, what's the story of Five Bar Molly? You know, they'll uh, they'll race them and, and, and pull embryos, and then they'll bring them back. You know, I'm not uh, really quite sure. Isn't that the family I, that you really I, love? I think, from what I remember correctly, she might have taken almost a year off. I think so. She came right? back as, a, as a, an, an elder mare yeah. and was still yeah. I think she, I think she took they she took almost a year off. They got some babies out of her, and then she came back. And then she I think she won a grade one when she came back, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it's 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 common uh, it's common things for quarter horse racing. Um, you know, pull some embryos and then get get some babies going and then come back and, and race again. So uh, we'll see the if the broodmare connections here keep on going in race number seven. All right, guys, there's two races left. You guys know what time it is. It's late double time here. we got a couple of, uh, of good fields to end the night here. Race 8, Morning Night Favorite, is going to go to the 5, Coleman 47. And Coleman 47 was a horse that had a lot of hype early in the year because he had worked so well in the mornings uh, before a lot of the two-year-olds were getting going. He finally broke the maiden last time out, good time at 15.67, but was a bit green. Mm-hmm. Kind of veered in, veered out, took a while to get going but got the job done. I'm not convinced that he's a lock, but he does deserve to be the morning night favorite, Caleb. Well, he looked like a lock on the page last time. He was mm-hmm. one to five. And then the gates opened up, and he was a lock. But then they got to 100 yards out, and he had no chance. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> and, and Ed Burgard said he was starting to get erratic, and that diligent duty basically did nothing first time out. So he, he had an empty field. And it was impressive and unimpressive at the same time. I had mixed uh, reviews on the race because visually you just don't see uh, events like that. But pretty nice gelding. But again, kind of like powerful favorite. He carries a lot of size, mm-hmm. and when you got horses drawn on the outside, and you've got a propensity to sometimes not be your best in the first few strides, it makes you wonder at the price. I totally agree. Uh, that's why I went with the seven on the outside favorite. Wise, I, sh- I should have put a warning at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> that I'm going all Odell. <laughs> you are. Trials. The, if Odell Usually has a good night, you have a good night. Yeah. For me, uh, you know, I, I would go heavy on Alamon, Flora. Sometimes you get totally burned. But anyway. So I'm, I'm going with the seven favorite wise lady uh, just because everything Caleb said, Coleman 47 seems to find trouble just like book of matches and, mm-hmm. and powerful favorite. I think favorite wise lady, you know, didn't break all that alertly uh, in the first start, but draws the outside here, you know, beat the cartel dream who came back and, uh, and won next time out. But, uh, you know, 1573, I think that's a pretty good, you know, time to build upon yeah, after it was hard to load and even lugged in. And I think Cody Jensen can get this one home. Yeah, drawing the outside is definitely going to help favor wise lady. I have her as my second choice. I do like Coleman 47 on top just because of, of the, the racing experience. And maybe this horse can get a little bit better coming out of the gate. Uh, but a, a bit of a stretch here for the third choice. We'll probably go to the four, Fire and Fury. One element always has one or two to pop up on trials night. Mm-hmm. Lightning race, only making third round, lifetime start. Ran pretty credible third there on debut. Then came back and finished fourth in that trial with SE Moneymaker, powerful favorite, and Corona Crush. It wasn't all too bad of a of a race. Finished uh, fourth there. Got a little bit bumped at the start uh, from the rail. Now it gets off the rail. If you're looking for a horse to include at a little bit of a price, I'll probably give you the four. So I'll go five, seven, four. I went uh, seven, five, three. I went to the three lead by fire for Jaime Gomez. 
you know, had to face Waver down in that last start and lost by two, but, you know, win seventeen eighty eight, and I think that's a, a worthy time in these trials to, to put up. If you're looking for, for exactas and trifecta spots, if, if uh, one of the favorites doesn't fire here, uh, I think this horse can be competitive if, if it just runs that uh, start two outs ago, breaks clean, and uh, can improve upon that last one. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at 7-5 here. The 7, not to that level, but if you look at her line first out for a filly and waver down, both had inside pose, mm-hmm. both broke towards the rear of the field, if you're looking at the chart, which they yeah. are as accurate as could be, and then they both exploded for the win. So uh, I think that uh, she's got uh, a lot of ability here. And Cody Jensen, yeah. remember when he came in and won that uh, derby with Shazak, he said, you guys give me the outside post, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So he's got a couple outside posted horses, uh, Parsons Rocket and favorite wise lady there back-to-back. Yeah, that's going to be fun. That's race number eight here on, on trials night for the Futurity. Race number nine, the final trial of the night. By the way, I haven't really thought about it, but what do you guys think will be the, the kind of the fastest qualifying time and maybe the bubble? I don't think it'll be as fast as Ed Burke night, but I, I think I'll go 17.46. Really? That's pretty quick. Yeah, right? I, what was it on the, the other one? Was it 17.42? 17, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's only yeah. Yeah, a, a couple hundredths off, but yeah. I think only one horse might break, uh, yeah, I think might, so. might break 17.50. Okay. So you right around seventeen fifty will be your guess. Seventeen forty. Yeah. What did you say? I said seventeen forty six for fastest. Okay. Time. I'm gonna go seventeen fifty two. I'm gonna shade it just a little bit above I, the later start times. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't think we're gonna have a big tailwind or any sunlight to deal with, and uh, I think some of your heavier hitters yeah. um, are not competing. So I'll go just a tiny shade above, and I'll go seventeen fifty two. I'll go. Uh, I'm gonna go right down the middle <laughs> of you guys. I'll call it straight seventeen fifty. I'll pull college straight. Right on the dot? Yeah, right on the dot. I thought you were going to price is right one of us and go <laughs> higher or lower. But. No, I'll go 1750 in the middle. Okay. So see if we can we can try to get see who's who's closer there. All right, race number nine, final trial of the night. Um, can we see an upset here on the final trial of the night? We got a lukewarm, lukewarm favorite here of the three quick to royalty uh, for Paul Jones and Ayala. Finished third in that trial behind Mr. A Political, who was the invader from Oklahoma, who finally broke well and finished strong. Is Quick to Royalty the horse to beat, Caleb? You know, this, I, I think we can confidently say, is the lightest trial. Yes. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. you've literally got one horse that's, that's crossed the wire first. That was the one last time out. The three, um, you know, got a victory via disqualification. But it's kind of interesting. I go back, and I'm trying to beat a few of these, you know, Powerful Favorite and Coleman 47 and Tack Me Up and Striver. But uh, in the end, I actually am taking the favorite here. Really? <laughs> I thought this, this is uh, the lightest field on the back end. Yes. But I, I think that – um, what I've seen when I'm watching the film on the three, a horse that can break, mm-hmm. is running with good competition, not really getting tired late, but uh, has just had a horse that's just a tiny bit better. The seven uh, didn't, you know, the seven was okay on, on debut, but didn't catch my eye um, like like the three did. So the one is kind of right there. The, the one against Pack Light was happy to get away from that yep. horse, but mm-hmm. I'm just trusting my eye here, and actually I'm going to go with what should be the lukewarm favorite, the three. Yeah, I picked uh, the three on top as well. This horse likes to break, but uh, just hasn't found that lack, uh, the late needed punch, you know, that, that's necessary to win. But I, I really wanted to pick the six on top because I love this horse from the works. I yeah. thought this, you know, this is a big horse and it was working quickly, but just hasn't come out with the early quickness needed. And it, I really, I thought, okay, maybe it's going to break slow, but at least it will show us something in the end. But really hasn't shown us that late punch either. But uh, I went with that one in second, as, and then I went to the one. The only winner in the field, Capital Grill, because mm-hmm. I think uh, this horse has just been running as Pack Light, who we love, 
And uh, finally, you know, like Caleb said, got away from him, put up a pretty nice time there, 1569. You know, this isn't uh, that big of a field or, you know, that tough, but I think Cooper and Caesar can get this one home. Yeah, you know, we kind of agree. I, I went towards a six hall little key. I picked that one on top. I, I like the works before the debut, and I just think there's a horse that has potential to improve. Yeah. I think a few of these we've seen maybe maybe what they can do. Uh, but I think the six can improve. If he can, if she can improve coming a little bit out of the gate, I think she can show a little bit better kick and, and finish a better effort. So I'll pick the six on top. Quick to royalty there with that good gate speed is a main horse to beat. And then the one capital grow with that sharp win last time out might be the, the confidence booster she needed. So I'll go 631 here to end the night. But I'm kind of surprised we didn't give a lot of respect to the seven horse. Get it hot. I thought somebody was going to pick that one on top. Yeah, the horse was finishing and does draw the outside, but you know, from what I saw as well, I didn't think the final time was all that. That's great. the main thing. And, that's it, yeah. and really, I'm I'm wanting the six to out, be <laughs> be able to outfinish the seven. You know, moving forward, if, if Hot Little Kitty is going to run and the Futurity is going 400 yards. All right. So to recap, I'll go six three one, three six one, and I've just got the three there. All right. So we're probably going to take a, a build our pick force as we speak once we get closer to Saturday, but. That's trials night for Governor's Cup Futurity. Like we mentioned, there's only two for Sunday for the Derby. Uh, J-Fire Up goes in one. Yankee goes in the other one. Uh, Ten of those 20 runners make it to the final. But that's a look at Saturday's card. And Caleb, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Had fun. I'm glad to be a part of it as I've listened to it before. And uh, how about the pick six, all the trials, and somewhat approachable. If we sat here and narrowed down most races, the two or three candidates, you've got some favorites and second choices that you can rely on. So – the pick six, we'll see if it carries or not. But uh, overall, seems like one you could approach. Yeah, and at, at one point, me and Caleb used to joke on seven, like, oh, we already know what the carry was going to be on carryover nights. It used to be, like, between 3,200 and 3,400, right? Yeah. It was like, oh, it's the same 20 people playing the fixes or whatever. But now, one-night carriers, they're like eight or nine grand. That's huge because it, it, you're right. For for years, it yeah. was. You could impress somebody. <laughs> I bet that carryover was going to be about – Thirty-two hundred and eighty-one dollars. Really close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pick fours have been growing, and then now the pick six has been growing as well. So uh, you know the pools have been maybe. Uh, maybe it's uh, due to you guys. You keep pumping handle. <laughs> you keep saying the right things and drawing people in. But uh, yeah, definitely people are uh, they're liking Los Al. They're betting. Yeah, we're definitely the pools have been up for twenty eighteen, and overall we've we've uh, we've tapped a we've tapped a few good winners the last few months. So. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be right a few times on Saturday night, and uh, we can hit a few pick four. So, hopefully, this is not the last time we'll have Caleb on. He can come on anytime he wants. Yes. Uh, we like to banter back and forth, so it'll be fun. We'll have to talk more basketball next week. Yes. We always talk about uh, what's going on in free agency. Yeah, what do you, you think of LeBron to LA now? Uh, I was a little surprised, even though Vegas told you it was going to happen. You know, yeah. Vegas, yeah. Vegas had the Cavaliers 30-1 to for next year's championship before the finals was over. Yeah, They're telling you he's crazy. leaving. And then, you know, the, the Lakers became a minus 400 favorite. But I kind of thought that um, it's all for the birds now. But I thought the Knicks would have been a great destination, right? Ooh. The Knicks don't have a have a, a recent title in the last 30 years. Yeah. They don't have that legacy player like, of course, you have with a lot with the Lakers or even the Celtics and so on. But nevertheless, um, it'll be exciting for the city. And that's one uh, sporting event in my five or six years I haven't been to. There's, been to the Clippers, been to Kings, yeah. Dodgers. But uh, a Lakers game, we got to get – we'll boost up the ticket prices. <laughs> yes. But I'll pick one against, like, the Magic next yeah. year. So yeah. I can go. On a, on a regular Sleepy Tuesday or something. Yeah, the one I the last one I went to was Kobe uh, against LeBron in the Heat. Oh, really? Wow. And, uh, yeah, and of course, 
Lakers just got smacked around. LeBron was just dunking all over the place. So I got to see at least, and that was uh, the final time I got to see Kobe play. But, yeah, I was shocked when he came here. I said, there's no way he's coming. He's yeah. going to stay in the East for mm-hmm. things that uh, you know, are easy for him. But I didn't know whether it was going to be the Celtics or the Sixers or what. But I'm glad he came. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It makes uh, – I think – I think now the NBA should get rid of East and West conferences. They just make it one big conference. Uh, and, you know, because I don't like this West-East dom- or West dominance. I like the fact that the Pacers or, you know, the Raptors or Celtics, one of these teams has got a chance because it's been LeBron for the last yeah. eight years. Yeah. So um, whoever makes it is going to be a, such a giant underdog. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But uh, it does allow for, for maybe a, a fun matchup yeah. in, uh, in the finals. And the Pacers got it rolling. I, what did LeBron say after that? First round, he's like, I just want to go home and go to bed. Yes. You know, and then he promptly came out and swept the Raptors. So yeah. I think the, the Pacers really pushed LeBron to the max more than yeah. he had ever thought he would in the yeah. first round. So um, I'm not too upset about the weak Eastern Conference. <laughs> no, and, and now, like, uh, it was funny. Like, I seen this great post on Twitter. I want to say it was uh, one of the – I want to say it's probably SB Nation or, or Leisure Report. They tweeted out. Here's the reaction from from the league from the Eastern Conference after LeBron signs with Lakers. Everybody celebrated. <laughs> the the Raptors are like, finally we have a shot. So yeah, I think uh, I think it's gonna be interesting how the East plays out. Uh, now it looks like uh, Philly and Boston are the front runners. And I heard there's some rumors that Kyrie might want to go to the Knicks already next year. Really? That's what that's what that was a few. Even after he's got the Celtics rolling like right? that. I don't know. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, Lakers versus Warriors, uh, what, five or six times a year now? So hold on just a second. Basically what you're telling me is that all the good three-year-old thoroughbreds are in California, and now basically all the good basketball teams basically. in the NBA are yeah. in California? West exactly. is best. Exactly. Hashtag West Coast. We're trying to get some people to go, uh, come to the Clippers uh, for Jose <laughs> and, and uh, Orlando Professor G. You know, they, they struggled for a lot of years, and then they finally get into contention, but uh, – Maybe they can lure a free agent or trade for somebody. So we're, we're, Jerry West can't leave them hanging. No, they're going to try to get Kawhi. Kawhi's coming to the Clippers. I know that. <laughs> yeah, that one's still uh, an enigma to everybody. Uh, we don't know what's, don't know. what's going what on th- with Kawhi. What do you think is going to happen with Kawhi? You think he's staying? He's, all right, let's put it this way. You think by the time the season starts, he would still be in San Antonio? Uh, at this point, I would probably guess. Um, Toronto would be fun because Toronto was a really good team minus against LeBron. Like, mm-hmm. They kind of have like a, a, a mental block, which yeah. I get it. Yeah. But um, like even the Pacers were not having a success against the Raptors, mm-hmm. Celtics, and so on. But um, the Clippers is funny. How about the Clippers have had like eight winning seasons in a row? That was really surprising. Yeah. Unfortunately for them, though, they've been stagnantly just a little below average, <laughs> yeah. a little above average, yeah. I should say. So that was one of my most interesting stats of the uh, season was that the Clippers have had all those winning seasons in a row. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, kidding Jose about a uh, old Clipper Daryl switching over to the Lakers side. I mean, that's got to be like a stab in the back. But, that's hilarious. You know, it'll be a fun season. I will see uh, what happens the rest of, of this time and uh, any trades that, that go on further. All right, that's the show for Saturday night. Hopefully we pick a few winners, tune into the quarters. Caleb and I will have all the coverage, and Curtis will be handling the weather reports and as well the the charts. Yeah. All right, see you guys later. All right, bye, everybody.